Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome again to Marin Covenant Church. I'm Ben. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Thanks, Tana. And um, this is, a, yep, all ages. Oh, geez, that's heavier than I thought it was. You're right. Um, all ages worship gathering. And, uh, and as you can tell, there's a little half sheet in front of you that uh, this gets to be, you can tell I'm a graphic designer, but this is a, an opportunity for you to kind of walk through this with your kid or for yourself if you have a hard time paying attention. And just so you know, if you fill this out, it's worth an entire quarter. The children's ministry team will be at the back and you can get a quarter and you can get a gumball and you can get all sugared up on your way home. Or you can just be like, oh, that was interesting. So that is the range of what's happening. So we're talking about spiritual gifts, but before we do, I have actual gifts. So I need to invite up um, Valentina. I have a present for you. Valentina, come on down here. Um, uh, Sophie? No. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I totally blanked Trevor on your daughter's name. Stella. I, why don't I think Stella? I'm so sorry. I blanked her name, but I have a present for you. So I need you to come down here, Stella. I'm, 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 I'm freaking out. And hi, Valentina. And Larry Toms, I got a present for you. So come on up here. I have presents for, from our three of my favorite people, except I blanked out Stella. What is wrong with me? Okay. So uh, Valentina, this present's for you. Stella, that present's for you. Larry, that present's for you. All right, why don't you guys open up your presents and, uh, and let's, see, uh, let's see what we got here. Yeah, all right, so Larry, what, what did you get? A set of wrenches, yes. And uh, they, they're a little dirty, but they've never been used. They've been sitting in my garage for seven years. Um, and Larry knows more than anyone else in this church that I have no business with wrenches, but Larry does. So that's for you. Stella, what did you get? You really don't know. This is the most incredible game ever. It's what do you mean? If you ever played apples to apples or if you've played cards against humanity, <clears throat> it's that, but for kids. And it's, and so for you and your friends to goof off with. And then Valentina, what do you get? Do you a know? Cookie a cookie cutter. Yes, I love cookies. Now, what's incredible is each of these gifts uh, were, I thought about you, I thought what would be fun for you. And what's interesting is each of these gifts have a very specific purpose, right? That is just not just a metal thing that you put in your room, but it's to make cookies. That game all by yourself has funny pictures, but that's it. And those, as I know, just are beautiful in my garage. That's not what they're there for. They're, each of these are for a purpose, and even more so, right, they're for a purpose with somebody else. Valentina, hopefully you can't make cookies all by yourself, not yet, but with your mom and dad, you can make cookies and you can share them with me, right? You put that into practice, you use the tool, and you put into practice you with someone else, and then, oh, we have cookies. And still, those are gonna be funny, but if you have some friends, I don't think friends play board games, you'll be like, what well, my pastor said, but old school people used to play board games with their friends, but right? It's for you, for your friends. And Larry, those tools are actually to be used for something, not just to be in my garage forever. So Larry, Sela, and Valentina, thank you so much. Those presents are for me to you. Let's give a warm thank you to you guys. Good job. You are more than welcome. Good job, Valentina. And a chocolate chip is my favorite cookie. Okay, thank you. You can go back. So as you know, um, from your little piece of paper, we're talking about spiritual gifts. And if you blank out for the whole rest of our time together, that is all you need to know, that our Heavenly Father gives good gifts. Not only does He give us blessings, but He actually, when we give our life to Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, 
and he actually gives us spiritual gifts, spiritual abilities, spiritual things that he wants for us to use. And what's interesting is we've been talking about this idea of engaging with the spiritual hungry towards a life in Christ that's inspired, intelligent, and involved. So far, we've talked about being inspired. We want to keep our hearts nice and soft towards Jesus. We want to do the spiritual disciplines that keep us connected to God. We want to be intelligent. We want to make sure our faith is rooted in the scriptures, that we are intelligent about what we believe and intelligent about how we engage our context. But like my wrenches, if we just take these things and we soak them up, we're like, yes, I love growing in my walk with God. I love learning about theology. And then we just do nothing with them. Then they are like my wrenches that I've just sat in my garage for seven years because I thought I was going to be a man. And, uh, and I just had to come to terms with it. I'm not going to be that version of a man. But Larry, thankfully, is, right? And so we are now on our final stretch as we move towards Advent about we want to be involved. This is the bread and butter. We want you to love Jesus. We want you to have a heart posture towards him, to be connected to him, to engage his mercy and love and grace. Oh, so good. We want you to know all the things about your identity in Christ and the richness of having good theology and being good missionaries to our context. We want those things for you. But unless we actually put our faith into practice, right? James says, faith that works is dead. It's just dusty wrenches, right? So if you forget everything else I say, you've been given good gifts by God. And God's desire and dream is for you to use them for his purposes, for his plan, for his glory, for the benefit of his kingdom, and for our church. Amen? Amen. Let's go watch the Niners. Let's go. All right. So let's do this. Let's, uh, before we get to the Niners game, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And you're going to need your actual Bible. So if you have a Bible like Front Row Randy, that's perfect, Randy. Thank you. But if you need one right under your seat is a Bible. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. And uh, someone who is, has fast thumbs, can you yell out the page number for the rest of us who have a hard time finding it? 737? Thank you. 1137. Good job, Chad. Dude, baller. I thought it was going to be somebody else, but Chad, good job. Okay, here we are. Romans chapter 12. So Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. Most likely he, was, he wrote it when he was in Corinth, um, and he wrote it to the church in Rome. And he, what's interesting is Paul has never been to Rome. He, he, like there's a church in Rome, and he's writing to teach them about theology and kind of encourage them and just set them up for success. But he hadn't been there yet, and so he knew about this group of Christians. And when we say the church in Rome, it wasn't like a church like ours with beautiful seats and incredible worship music. It was like, oh, look how great, and coffee, right? It was these little home churches. So gathered throughout all of Rome were all of these little house churches. And what's interesting is a lot of those people didn't even know about each other. I mean, they knew about each other, but they didn't know each other. The leaders kind of knew other leaders, but it was this web, it was this network of churches that didn't quite know each other uh, and that Paul didn't even really know personally. And he's writing this letter to them to encourage them, to teach them about their faith and theology, all the intelligent part. Romans, oh, one of those books you want to like dive deep in. And so here we are near the end of Romans in chapter 12, when he begins to turn the corner and says, hey, how do we put all this theology into practice? So here we are, Romans chapter 12, verse three, it says this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the Father. Oh, sorry. With accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us are one body with many parts, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though we are many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. 
And if it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let's just unpack this. Before we actually talk about how we're going to employ our spiritual gifts, let's just unpack this a little bit. Um, Starting in verse 3, right? So we're going to talk about this idea. Um, This conversation all about spiritual gifts has to begin with humility. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, excuse me, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I think one of the most brutal things about humans is that we just cannot help but compare, right? We cannot help but look at somebody else and just be like, I wish I had curly hair. I wish I had straight hair. I wish I was taller. I wish I was shorter. I wish I was a baller or however that song goes, right? <laughs> like we just wish, like we want whatever we don't have. We see, and then what's funny is even in the church world, we're like, oh, I wish I was a Christian like that. I wish I could serve like that. I wish I knew the Bible like that. I wish I could see, like it's funny, even in the church world, we're like, we still compare each other. And comparison, I think, is just the kryptonite to our faith. Because we cannot compare each other. Every single one of us are these incredible, unique, diverse people that were crafted in our mother's wombs by God for his glory, for his purposes, right? We are so different. We are so wonderfully made. I love the 49ers. I love them with all of my heart. Well, Jesus first, then my family, and then the 49ers. And this is a picture of, of, the, of the team of the 49ers in the 80s when they were the, the team that shaped my heart. And I love them. And I wanted to be them. And, uh, and I thought I was going to be a professional football player and away we go. But it turned out I come from this short Jewish family that, with no athletic skill or using tools. I have, I have a couple things, but not, so far not, none that I can brag about yet. Um, but what, I love about, what I've always loved, A, about the 49ers, but about um, football in general is the amount of people that it takes to make a football team function is incredible. When you're a kid on the, on the, football, uh, on the playground, you're playing football, you have the quarterback, you have the wide receiver, and maybe like the slow guy like me would be like the guard. You're like, wait, why am I the guard? That's no fun, right? There's, that's it. That's how it works. But the reality is, is that each position has a specific gifting. And then on top of that, there's these coaches and managers and teams. And like it just, it just balloons out forever and ever and ever. And for the team to function, everybody has to do their part well for the purpose of the whole team. And when we sit around, most of us, we all want to be the quarterback or we all want to be the wide receiver. We all want the deal to make the money or whatever, right? That's what we, we're just wired that way. But when we compare ourselves, when we try to do something we're not, we, mess, we just mess the whole thing up. And so it begins with humility. And I, what I love is he says, right, we have to, um, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And I love Jeff's sermons last week. He was like, when you read scripture, right, we study it. We, we spend time asking questions. And what's so interesting, so I did, did that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to study Romans 12. And you think, sober judgment. What does that mean to be, to think of yourself with sober judgment? So then, you know, I'm a good pastor. So I do the good pastor thing. I look up the Greek word, which is what? Sophroneo. Sophroneo. How cool is that? Now you know a Greek word. But here's what's rad. The Greek word, guess what the Greek word sophroneo means? Sober. Boom. You are Greek scholars, right? Turns out the people who wrote the Bible, like they actually knew what was going on. But what's so fun is when you stop and you do the Greek study or you go to a dictionary even and go, what does it mean to be sober? It causes you to slow down. 
and to think, what does this passage mean? So how do we think of ourselves with sober judgment? It means with sound mind, with temperance. What's so interesting is all of us have think of, when we think of ourselves, we have two camps we think of ourselves. We have some sort of weird dysmorphia where we just like, we hate ourselves, right? We look at ourselves in the mirror and we're like, oh, like we just hate that about ourselves, right? Whenever I hang with Larry, right? I look at my hands, like, oh, I want hands like Larry. I want to be able to use wrenches, but I can't, I hate, I have this weird dysmorphia. We only see the deformed version of us. Or we have this totally intoxicating pride where we just think we are awesome and entitled and perfect and we don't understand why we didn't get the promotion and why we're not the quarterback and we're just mad at the world because they don't know how great we are. In our human condition, we kind of live in both those things. And so Paul's saying, no, you need to think of yourself with sober judgment. You need to have sound mind. You need to think, okay, God, how did you uniquely make me? And it turned out I'm not the star Right? Jesus is the star. Jesus is the head of the body. And God uniquely crafted us to be part of his body, to be part of his team. And the truth is, we, we, don't, we need to get through our dysmorphia and realize, no, we are incredible, valuable people made in the image of God, bringing something to the kingdom of God. We have to work, do the work so we know that about ourselves. And we have to know the work, do the work that we don't think we're too awesome and too great and too entitled and too deserving. We think of ourselves with sober judgment. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, we need to understand that we've been given gifts, but we need to have, we need to have a posture of humility first. Okay, then he goes on to verse four. Let's move on to verse four. It says this. For just as each of us have one body with many parts, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though we are many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I love that idea. That, so the second thing is that we, um, that we actually recognize that unity is a significant part of that. I'm sorry, there you go. Yeah, what did I say? Yeah, we have unity in our submission to the purpose and plan of Jesus. So Jesus is the head of the body. We are the members of the body, right? And I love it. And that, the reason I love the passage in Romans more than the passage in 1 Corinthians is because he says, Right? We belong to one another. I think the first Corinthians one is kind of nice. It feels like we're like an erector set. We're like a machine. You do this, you do this, you do this. But Paul in Romans, somehow he just has this one phrase. He says, no, we belong to each other. We are one body. When you stub your toe, your whole body adjusts and has to walk differently Right? when you stub your toe. One of the most debilitating diseases is ALS, right? Lou Gehrig's disease. And, uh, and I think the reason why it's so heartbreaking is because people who suffer from ALS, their brains are perfectly functioning. Their brains are super sharp, super smart. They can tell, they know, they've lived a life of knowing how to function in their body. Lou Gehrig was this incredible baseball player. He's called the Iron Horse because he was like the most consistent baseball player in his era. He never missed a game. He was so strong and his body started just rejecting his brain's um, directions, right? And it's heartbreaking because the brain wants to do something and the body's like, no, I'm doing whatever I want. And in some sense, right, if we're honest, as the church, we are Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Jesus is like, this is what I want for you. This is what I want for the church. This is what I want for the world. And we're like, no, I'm an arm and I want to do this. I'm the mouth and I want to do this. And right, and I just think, gosh, Jesus is like, come on, right? <laughs> and so we recognize, we have this idea, we, we submit to one another. Not only do we submit to one another and we belong to one another, but ultimately we submit to Jesus. Jesus is the head of the body. He has a purpose, he has a plan, and he wants to use us for his purpose and plan, not for our glory, not for our needs, not for anything about us, 
And so what's interesting is each of us have a unique different part of the body. And when you look at your body, right, there's a bazillion different parts. I failed anatomy in, in college. That's why I did the humanities. But the, right, there's this ton, tons of muscles, tons of bones, tons of limbs, tons of nervous systems, right? There's tons of stuff I don't know about. It's all there that forms our body and every single part of it is important. Your liver is important even though you don't see it, right? Your pinky is important. Your thumb is important. Everything is important. And what I love is we need each other. And Paul wrote this message to Rome. And what's wild is he wrote it to the churches of Rome. And so we think here we are at Marin Covenant. We all have a different thing that we bring to the table. And when we all function together, Marin Covenant gets to be this body of Christ, which is epic and awesome and does God's will and purpose in the world, which is great. That's what we're trying to do because that's all we can control. We're Marine Covenant. We do our thing that God called us to do. But what's wild is Paul wrote this letter to Rome to these little house churches, which means every house church is also super unique and super different and has a unique thing that they do in the body of Christ. And so all of the churches need to be unified. So Marine Covenant, we need to be unified among each other, recognizing that we all bring different things to the table. We all have different gifts and abilities, and we submit ourselves to the leadership of Jesus, and then we are part of the body of Christ. But Marine Covenant then also is part of the body of Christ. We talked about this last week about going to City Impact. We're not City Impact. I wish we were City Impact, but we're not. We're, our church is in Marin, and we have a very unique calling in Marin. And the people who do City Impact, they're called by God to do City Impact. And they're called to love the tenderloin and be all about the tenderloin and praise God that we get to be in relationship with them and we get to be connected to the body of Christ and go, oh my goodness, the kingdom of God is moving forward because of this diverse body of Christ. Now here's what's kind of wild. Could we even be generous in our ecclesiology, which is just the fancy church world of how we understand the church, but could we be generous enough that Christians in our life who see the scriptures differently who see the way the church should function differently, to see the things that the church is called to do differently, can we be generous toward them and be thankful for them? For our most progressive Christian friends, can we be so thankful for the way that they call out the, and advocate for the poor and the marginalized, and they want to make sure that they have a seat at the table and we understand their stories and we understand what God is uniquely doing with them and be gracious to them, and they're on the front lines of the kingdom of God. Can we be generous for them? And for our most conservative people uh, and most conservative Christians and churches who are trying to keep Christendom together in some sort of way, can we be thankful for them that they're advocating for a certain culture that truthfully we kind of want for our own family, but we don't like how it's worked out. But can we be thankful for the things that they're fighting for and working for? And that may or may not be your call or our call. And then for us at Marine Covenant, right? Well, what's our unique lane? And our unique lane is, man, we want to be missionaries to Marin. Right? There's a whole bunch of churches in Marin doing a whole bunch of different things, but at Marin Covenant, we are sold out to be a church that is warm and welcoming to any and every spiritually hungry person who wants to move towards Christ. And we're going to walk with them as fast and as slow as they want on this journey towards Christ. And man, it's complicated and challenging and we're working it out. But that's our unique calling, right? And so this idea of unity has to be submission to Christ, and we want that among ours. But maybe we can also be generous to the big, wide churches all over Marin, all over America, all over the world, and be thankful for their unique part of the body, and we can be thankful for our unique part of the body. Okay, one last thing about this, and then we're... Okay, so then he goes on and says this, right? So the very last part is the idea that diversity in our gifts is how we pull this off. 
And this is what's so fun. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, to do it cheerfully. And I love, I love this idea of that we all have these different gifts. Because sometimes we think we just want to be like Christ. We want, we want unity. And the best way to do unity is for us all to shave off our rough edges. And if, what if we just, let's just all agree on vanilla, right? Let's just all agree on pizza, right? We don't want anything like too out there because that kind of messes everybody up. But that's not, I think, what the picture God wants. I love that these are all the spices that go into curry. And this is a simple curry. Like you can have up to 100 different spices in curry. And I love it. No one else in my family loves it, but I love it. It is so complex and incredible. And it is a unified dish that is a game changer. But every spice is totally unique and spicy in their own way. And I say this all the time to people who get really frustrated about our church or about me or whatever. And I'm like, I get it. I get that we're not doing the thing that you love and you want. But instead of shaving off all those things and being vanilla, what if you bring your incredible spiciness to the table? and you bring your incredible spiciness. And instead of being so mad that your spiciness is different than somebody else's spiciness and they don't get your spiciness, what if we have generosity towards each other and we're like, together we get to be this incredible curry, this incredible unified dish that gets to be good news. And what good news to a county that in a room full of people, with people from diverse backgrounds, with different socioeconomic backgrounds, different political backgrounds, all the ways that we would never like each other in the real world, but here at church, because of Christ, we come together and we say, yes, we are gonna be God's body, God's people for his purposes. Okay, the last thing I wanna talk about is what in the world is your gift? Because the only way we pull this off is if you actually figure out who you are and how God has uniquely wired you. So on your paper is a whole list of, of gifts. And uh, these are the ones like there's in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, in Ephesians 4, in Romans 12. Those are like the big lists. Um, you can go online and take a spiritual gifts test. Um, there's, there's a whole wide. I mean, it's just... It, we're all just trying to figure out what it is, right? But basically, every Christian agrees that there are these gifts. They're given by God, and they're given for a unique purpose, and we need to figure out what they are, okay? So there is some work that's not going to happen in two more minutes left in my sermon, okay? This is the work that you have to do. You need to figure out how has God uniquely wired you? What are your unique passions? What is your unique temperament? And what are the unique gifts that God has uniquely given you? And so what I want you to do is take a pen, and I'm just going to walk this list in any one of these, one to three of them, just circle, go, yep, that is me, that might be me, right? Wisdom, and I put a little uh, scripture references next to these, right? So you can go do some study later, but there's wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing or discerning the spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, interpretations of tongues, apostleship, teaching, helping, administration, service, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, evangelism, pastoring, hospitality, craftsmanship, and artistry. Something funny, I, when I took my spiritual gifts test in the beginning of seminary, I scored lowest on pastoring. <laughs> oh, well. It's just so you never know. But, but think about what is yours, right? And you circle your gifts, circle what are those things? Because if you've ever done this in the corporate world, you've done strengths finders. What's so funny is anyone who's done like the corporate version of this, they say, listen, the things that you're not good at, let it go. 
Like we spend all of our time trying to do things we're not good at and you just frustrate yourself and really you frustrate everyone around you. Like Larry, like I should not be working on my sink, right? I should not be doing this. Larry's like, you can kind of do it. No, I should not be doing it, right? You frustrate everybody when you're doing what you shouldn't be doing. What should you be doing? And then how do you maximize that? How do you put energy and effort into that? Okay, Kelly, can we go to the next one? Because I forgot my notes. I'm sorry. Yeah, so here we are. So the deal is this, that we need your gifts. Your gifts God needs. I love this idea of the family business, that the kingdom of God is the family business, that God has this kingdom, this giant vineyard that he needs to work, and it's for his family to work. When we become Christians, we're adopted into the family of God. We're his daughters, we're his sons, we're his co-heirs. We don't, we don't serve, we don't, we don't punch a card, we're not an employee, but we are co-heirs with Christ about the family business, about expanding the kingdom. And God wants you to find your unique place in it. So when you understand your gifts, and then you say, okay, well then what part of the family business do I do that in, right? So there's a whole bunch of things. It begins, one, that we worship God. We use our gifts to worship God. That's one thing. We use our gifts to serve God's people, to serve the church. The church functions because people in the church are using their gifts to make sure that this thing functions. It's important because without this thing, we would just be these individual atomized people out there. We need the body. We need people who use their gifts for this. Then there's people like, then we need to use the gifts to actually expand the kingdom of God in the world, right? You look at the Old Testament, God's like, what is it about? It's about doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly with our God. And you, when you, as you keep reading through the Old Testament, it's true in the New Testament, right? We love our neighbors as ourselves. We love our enemies. We're ambassadors of reconciliation. We care for the orphans and the widows. We look after the poor, right? There's certain things that are found throughout the whole scriptures, and we need to find people who will use their gifts for the kingdom of God to serve his purposes and his plan. So here's the last thing. This takes community, and it takes coaching to figure out. No one can figure this out all by themselves. And what's so fun is we're going to spend these next few weeks this idea of being in, uh, involved. And so we're looking at this idea of what are spiritual gifts. Next week, we're going to talk about how do we show up well in the places that God has planted us. And then we move towards, we wrap this whole thing up um, with what is your unique calling? Because you see, just pastors, we're not the people called by God. And we, in, in a different context, we'd have little callers and robes so you would know that we're special, Right? The truth is, Peter says, we're a kingdom of priests. When you give your life to Jesus, we've all been called. We've all been anointed by God, called for his ministry, for his plan, for his purposes. And so your job is to figure out what your calling is. And once you figure out what your calling is, I feel the same way. Sorry, Helen. Um, when you feel the same way, um, sorry, I feel about Helen. I think I lost my track. Um, the idea is that when we figure out our calling and then we want to implement it. And so I, what's fun is uh, we did this with a, a, a rowers class. Jeff and I did this last year where we walked through this process to help people discern and figure out their unique ministry callings. On our website, under our discipleship curriculum, one of the little worksheets is discerning your calling and you can walk through a plan. And, uh, and so I just want to share mine. Um, well, not to brag because it's mine, but actually mine is helpful for you. So um, this, was, this was me. It's actually, it's been a work in progress over the last few years. But this is the way that I've taken all of this. When I understand my, I want to be inspired and my heartfelt connection to Christ. I want to understand my identity in Christ. I want to understand the way God wired me. And I want to put it in a plan. And so I'm going to share what I wrote. But truthfully, every single one of you should spend time 
thinking about this and coming up with some version of this for yourself. So this is what I said. God has uniquely crafted me to wholeheartedly follow Jesus with gratitude for his overwhelming grace and mercy in adopting me into his family and inviting me to partner with him in his purposes and plan. That's my little preamble. That could be your preamble, right? What's so funny is when you start talking to people, every single person has a different kind of starting point with how they love God or why they love God. Or, and I think everyone should have my preamble and then you start realizing, oh my goodness, everybody has a different preamble. How rad is that? Because we're a curry, right? So that's it, my calling. He's given me the spiritual gifts of leadership, of wisdom and, encourage, and encouragement and a passion to use them so more and more people here in Marin will be able to encounter the living God, be transformed by his grace, healed by his mercy, transformed by his love and equipped and empowered by his love. And so I realized that God gave me these gifts, right? Of leadership, of wisdom and encouragement. And my unique calling is, oh my goodness, I want all of Marin to encounter Christ. And so I'm using all of my gifts to find that lane. And the truth is, if all by myself, I could do that to like five people. But he's put me in a church. And so he's given me two lanes to put this calling, right? So this is my preamble. These are the gifts and passion that God's called me. And then here's where I put it into practice. So I'm called to leverage my gifts for the church in two ways. One, to leverage my gifts for the sake of our corporate body. I will use my leadership and wisdom and encouragement to navigate this cultural shift that we're in, in a healthy and kind-hearted way, or at least I wanna be healthy and kind-hearted. Um, keeping our church orthodox, which just means that we're within the bounds of what Christians have believed for all times, to keep our church safe, physically and emotionally for people. And even when we miss that, we work really hard to fix that and strong for future generations. Part of why we have all ages worship, the why we do invest a third of our ministry budget to children and youth is because we want this faith to be passed on for future generations. And so I do this through leading our organization. I do this through leading our staff, through partnering with Jeff and keeping all of our ministries aiming in the right direction. So a big bulk of my job is behind the scenes doing, you know, trying to do this so that we, when we come together, experience what's happening here in the church. So that's what I do corporately, and this is what matters for you. I am also called to leverage my gifts for our individual saints, that's you guys, to help any and everyone in our church to discover the incredible and unique ways that God has made them and help them thrive by leveraging their distinct roles within the body of Christ. And I'm not gonna lie, that is what makes my heart sore, what God made me to do, because I'm not the quarterback, right? I want to help our body be healthy and whole, and I want you to find your unique gift, your unique place, your unique calling, and when you let it rip, oh, I find so much joy. So if you, as you work this out, need any help, need any partnership, someone to walk with you along this whole thing, oh, you are tapping into my spiritual gift. I wish I was a singer. I wish I was taller. I wish I could like had better grammar, right? There's only things I wish I could do. I can't. What I can do though is, man, I can help you figure out how God uniquely called you and implement you and sit in the back and enjoy you thriving in the kingdom of God. So that's mine. I just, as a model, I mean, as a pastor, it's kind of helpful to understand maybe what's happening in my brain behind the scenes. But I share that because that is, you should have some version of that. Because when you have a version of that, the kingdom of God advances, the church is made whole, and Jesus is honored and glorified. Oh man, I pulled a Jeff. I went like 10 minutes long. Okay. All right, we're gonna wrap things up. So what we're gonna do is, 
The one thing that we all can do together is we can use all of our gifts and our, uh, and our abilities, mostly our body and our voices, to worship and praise God. So if you are a kid or kid-hearted, um, I need you to come forward and grab a little pom-pom, because I'm going to invite the band out, because our last little part of our all-ages worship is we're going to worship together, and we're going to praise together. And you guys, come on forward, and you guys are going to help me. Um, we're going to get you uh, some pom-poms. And then how cool is this? You get to go and stand on your chair. And when we sing this next song called Great is the Lord, whenever we sing the, the part, Great Are You, Lord, there you go, right over here are the pom-poms. You're going to get your little pom-pom, you're going to stand on your chair, and you're going to wave it up like this as a, as a way to help us worship God with our voices and our bodies. And you as adults, right, we get to worship with our bodies and our voices. So let's lean into worship, not just be excited that the kids are having fun, but let us also worship together. Here you go. There you go. Okay, so let's stand together and let's worship and then let's be the body of Christ together.